The Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six gallons, and Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. In college, I worked part-time at a bagel shop. And there I learned a little bit about coffee, a little bit about customer service, and a little bit about how to ignore the carb content of a freshly toasted bagel. I also learned a lot about myself. I had picked up this job, my second, in order to help keep down the student loans I was taking out for school. And so I worked mostly in the evenings. Closing up shop was a regular part of my job. And while there were always two employees assigned to this duty, I was usually the one who ended up scrubbing the floors, vacuuming the carpeted sections, washing all the parts on the espresso machine, alone, all by myself. I was afraid that the owner would come in in the morning and be upset if everything wasn't perfect, and so I stayed late and I worked really hard. But slowly over time, a resentment started to bubble up in me. Why didn't my coworkers help out more? Why were they always on their phones, chit-chatting with their friends rather than scrubbing alongside me? We were getting paid the same, but I was doing all the work while they rested. I learned my work ethic from my parents, especially from my mom, who when my parents divorced, took over caring for us as a single mom. My dad had to move three hours away for work. And I remember being in awe of my mother even as a child, providing for us, waking up first, going to bed last, getting home from a long day of teaching just to make dinner for her three children, working on her master's thesis on a typewriter late into the evenings, long after I had finished my homework and gone to bed. And on top of all of that, she kept me in dance, flute, and voice lessons and made sure I got carted around to all of the events, too. She worked hard, and I truly never remember her complaining. I really don't, not even once. 
I suppose she must have at times needed more than just a little rest. But those moments where she could truly relax came few and far between. And I'm guessing there are quite a few of you single mothers or single fathers who can relate to the required energy to meet the load of single parenting. As a grateful daughter of one such parent, let me say your hard work does not go unnoticed, at least eventually, right? You've got to give it time. I'm sure my mother would have loved it if Jesus had sat down with her and offered her a glass of the most exquisite wine. Can you imagine? I mean, who wouldn't love that? And the crazy thing is that that's precisely what the partygoers got in John's gospel for today. Jesus pouring, and the text doesn't technically say this, but I'll fill in the blanks, and imbibing, some of the most spectacular wine at a killer party. Jesus resting and relaxing and shooting the breeze with folks while they enjoyed the evening. Jesus, this guy who could do everything, everything, all things, choosing instead to do nothing, nothing other than rest. Such behavior, we confess, goes against our sensibilities. It goes against our very well-honed Protestant work ethic. It goes against what culture has taught us to value. I mean, very few of us in this room would admit to doing nothing. Very few of us would admit to needing rest, and very few of us would admit when we actually took the rest that we needed that was necessary to keep us going. And if we did admit to resting, we would have a host of disclaimers to go with this admission, such as, but I had to work 80 hours a week before I took that vacation. Or, you wouldn't even believe the number of emails that were waiting for me when I returned. We are horrible at resting, just awful at it. We act as though taking a good rest automatically makes us the worst human beings on the planet. We attach ourselves to our output as if what we produce is the only thing that gives us any value. And that's why when Jesus begins his ministry by resting, it surprises us in the most off-putting and intriguing kind of way. And that's right to highlight that Jesus begins, begins his ministry. We're only in John chapter 2, after all, He begins his ministry with resting. I mean, we don't allow ourselves to rest much at all, let alone allowing ourselves to rest at the start of a task. We feel we have to earn our rest, work toward our vacation, justify the relaxation. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus kicks off his ministry, the very first miracle he will do, the first of his seven signs in the Gospel of John, by turning water into wine, by resting, relaxing, and partying the night away. If we really think about it, it's even more shocking and scandalous than it seems on the surface. And there is an important parallel that we need to draw here. Jesus begins his ministry this way. Before he begins his work, 
he vacations. Before he begins to define himself by what he will do for the world, he allows himself to be in the world. Before he spends time and energy on others, he spends time and energy on himself. What is the parallel here? Well, dear friends, this is where God always begins. For this is the very nature of grace. Grace is the beginning point of our relationship with God. The declaration that regardless of what we have done or left undone, we are loved completely. The declaration that we are named beloved sons and daughters of God, not because of what we produce, but simply because we are and God has chosen to love us. At the second service, we will see this baptism of little Ethan into God's family. Ethan is only two weeks old, and while his parents already speak quite highly of him, even they would admit that he has yet to do something substantial with his life. And even so, Pastor H audaciously plans to baptize him today anyway, because of grace. Quite scandalous. Nothing to earn here, nothing to achieve, nothing to work toward. All little Ethan needs to do is lay back and rest as that glorious water washes over him, naming him God's son and claiming him on behalf of unconditional love for forevermore. In the end, I learned more about myself and the kind of person I want to be from that job at the bagel shop than I learned about coffee or bagels. I learned that I am something of a perfectionist. And if you hear Becky laughing, no, she's not. <laughs> a little bit. Becky, Linda, Jamie, they might laugh a little hearing that. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I learned a lesson that God has repeated and repeated throughout my life, and I'm sure will repeat many times more, which is that things aren't always fair. And also I learned that sometimes I just need to chill out already. I learned that maybe I didn't need to stay at that shop two extra hours to make sure that every single crumb was off the floor when there were just going to be new bagels sliced the very next morning. Maybe getting up 95% of the crumbs and going to bed an hour early would have sufficed. Maybe sitting down and having a glass of wine would have done me more good. Maybe, just maybe, my worth didn't need to be placed entirely in what I could produce in each and every moment. This morning, I am honored and privileged to bear these words of invitation from God to you. Rest in God's grace. Rest knowing you are beloved. Rest from the lie that you are only what you produce. Rest boldly. Get really edgy and rest even before you begin to work on something. Drink a glass of wine in honor of a first century rabbi and remember that you are loved because you are, period.